Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. 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 And the Half Drunk Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Harry Potter and the Half Drunk Podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Sam. And this is chapter 51, and this is part three of our Goblet of Fire deep dive and our last deep dive into the Goblet of Fire book. Yeah. So, big week. <laughs> it's big time <laughs> this week. Yeah, but first we're going to talk about our drink of the week, which is the Fleur de la Cour, aptly named after the Beau Batten's Triwizard Champion, and in this drink we have vodka wild berry truly and it's garnished with some fresh berries so what you do is you take some ice and an ounce of vodka in a cocktail shaker and shake it up and then you strain the chilled vodka into a glass add the truly up to the top and then garnish with berries and i think that this is a really like flirty fruity fun cocktail especially for the summer when it's super hot outside and it just kind of reminds you of vacation maybe you're sitting on the french riviera like fleur vacationing with the fam and uh yeah i mean i really like it i think it's it's really light and refreshing and low calorie and it's what i needed today it's good it's probably our most like basic um bitch drink we've ever made basic yeah Mm mm-hmm that's fine. I mean, that's just... I'm embracing the, like, truly culture. I'm fully really embracing am. it. Right now, hard seltzer is taking the world by storm, if you will. It's everywhere. People are enjoying it. So we decided to incorporate it into our drink of the week this week. And it fits because it has a sweet exterior. But with that extra <laughs> hit of vodka, man, that thing will hit you on your ass. Just a like dangerous. Four. Yep. So underestimated but delicious. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah. So we also haven't done a Shag Mary Kill in a little bit. So we're going to do one this week. And I think it would be appropriate if we did a Shag Mary Kill for the three champions, excluding Fleur. Um, so Harry, Cedric, and Crumbs, like thing that they'll miss most in the second task because we're picking up with the second task today so they're precious if you will so we have Cho Chang which was Cedric's precious we have Ronald Weasley who was Harry's and then of course we have Hermione who was Crumbs so Emily shag marry kill to those I don't think this is going to be a shock to anyone I would marry Ron shag (laughs) Hermione kill Cho Job. You would marry Ron? You, I know. Of all Shocking. Um, Shocking. Yeah, I'm <laughs> floored. I would probably shag Ron, marry Hermione, and kill Cho just because I feel like I have a deeper connection with Hermione and Ron, clearly, because they're characters right. that we are with all of the time and clearly know more about. And I think with Cho, my only issue with her was the fact that, like, Harry had a crush on her and it felt just kind of like a plot device to me like it's not an issue with her it's just the fact that it's her that Harry had a crush on because she was Cedric's girlfriend I felt like that was just another plot device like pushing Harry and Cedric together and less of like what reason do you have for liking Cho besides the fact that like you can't have her right yeah, I don't know. I feel like even if someone was to choose Cho, you really can't go wrong this week. No, you can't. I mean, so. she seems like a really, really bright, clearly, she's bright. She's in Ravenclaw. Pretty nice girl. We just, right. you know, don't get a lot out of her besides the fact that she was Cedric's girlfriend and then she was Harry's girlfriend. Right. Um, but anyways, I digress. Those are my answers. Let's talk a little bit about our universal experience that happened a week ago when we were together yeah so we were at universal last saturday and had the time we we're living our best life <laughs> we were the definition of living I'm our living best, my best life yeah yeah um one thousand percent that was us 
but it was really awesome. We got there super early so that we could get in. Yeah. yeah, so we could get in at seven thirty um, for early admission. We saw some live ones. There were some <laughs> questionable people. That's what we call live um, ones are a um, thing. Yes. If, and if we say that to anybody else, they're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And like, we got exactly. a live one. Mm-hmm. No we got a live one. I feel like it's so, probably like really offensive, but I don't, I don't even yeah. know what it means. Yeah, we don't really know what it means. Sam's uncle started it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we just had some people who were a little bit rude, but we were good, and we didn't, we did not bounce back to them. It's which like when was you shocking. go to Disney. It's like when people are so rude at Disney, and I'm just like, didn't you get the memo? This is supposed to be the happiest place on earth. Like we're having the time of our life right now. Don't wait on our parade. Yeah, but it was, it was amazing. Fun. Yeah, we were there for like 14, 15 hours. We stayed for the dark arts show on Which Hogwarts. Was honestly, the best part of the entire day. So agreed. I'm super glad that we stayed and it was worth it. A thousand percent worth it. We were like done with everything by yeah. noon, and we're like, so do we just like try to do everything again? or what <laughs> do we just by that drink time, the lines were like <laughs> fucking long yeah and i mean we were spoiled by getting in early and just being able to basically just walk right onto the rides and then we would like check the app and see then it was like a two-hour wait just for freaking Buckbeak ride <laughs> so like okay the five uh, second ride yeah <laughs> It seemed a lot more thrilling when we were 14, I'm not going to lie, but... It did. I mean, my stomach did hop a little bit, but yeah. But honestly, overall, such a good day. We had some great food. We ate it. Spent a lot of money. Three broomsticks twice. We spent way too much fucking money. (laughs) I bought a new outfit. And a new wand. And a new wand. I now own Luna's wand as well as Hermione's. So something I've just been talking about for like 10 years. No big deal. (laughs) It's no big deal. Um, yeah, that's fine. I, you know, got to spend the whole day with my best friend, so that was awesome. We got to talk a lot about future stuff for the podcast. We experienced some earthquakes together. That wasn't at Universal, but that was part of we our did. weekend. We did. We experienced two earthquakes together, but your bitches are still standing. Um, we're a little yeah. shaken up, but we're still <laughs> We're here. a little shaken. Um, but, yeah, overall, just such a good day. I really think... If you're ever wanting to test your friendship, you should just go to an amusement park all day long because... When you're breaking in your new vans. When you're breaking in new vans and getting a huge blister, (laughs) when you're spending way too much money after you have both just relocated and, like, really have no business spending that much money. (laughs) When you're hot as hell. When you're hot as hell. And then cold as fuck. (laughs) Yeah. When you're just uncomfortable because literally every ride that we got wet on was because something spit on us. (laughs) (laughs) like if you can still tolerate that person at the end of the day and want to go home and cuddle up to them on the couch and watch love island i think that's your best friend i'm so glad that you finally have watched love island now after i've been talking about it for like a year it's so good and now they're making a u.s version and i haven't watched it and i'm just like i feel like the accents make it i feel like um, I'm definitely gonna watch the U.S. version, but I just feel like it won't be the same, so I'm holding off on it. But that was a total tangent. Anyways, <laughs> Universal was great. If you can go and see the dark arts at Hogwarts Castle, definitely do it. We're gonna have a little video vlog that we put up for our patrons, and we'll have parts of it on that. And yeah, it was a great time, so cheers to Hogwarts and Universal. And should we get into our question of the week? Let's fucking go. I'm ready for this. The floor de la cour is starting to kick my butt a little bit, so this will be <laughs> an interesting episode. Okay, so our question of the week this week is what task would you rather take on, the mermaids or the maze? Because obviously we're going to be covering both of them mm-hmm. this week. Um, so on Facebook, 46% said mermaids and 54% said maze. And then I got quite a few comments this week, so I think we should explore some of those. Okay. No way. How is this a debate? I'm assuming we have wands in this scenario. In the books, the mermaids were afraid when they just saw Harry's wand. I'm not going against blast-ended scroots. <laughs> yeah, I feel that one. Yeah. The maze looks so much more fun to me and much easy. That's so tough. Both of them play on my two biggest fears. And then her dad replied in the sweetest reply you have no fears you are stronger than you think just believe in yourself oh my god 
Okay, I love that. Go hug your father. Yeah, you have a good dad. Um, not a fan of sea life. I'll take my chances <laughs> with my wand on land. All right, fair enough. The mermaids are only one threat, whereas the maze poses loads of set to go to the mermaids. I'd probably die anyway. Yeah. Someone said this is going to be an interesting episode. It really is. Okay, so we'll just go on to Instagram. Before we give our opinions, I think we should just yeah, yeah. write them off. So 40% on Instagram said mermaids, 60% said the maze. And then on the Twitter, 31% said mermaids and 69% said maze. Hmm. And someone replied, not keen on the drowning aspect of the lake task. Yeah. Okay, so I said lake. I did, t- I did. I said the mermaids, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, as someone mentioned, they weren't as frightening as they made them out to be in the movies. They did kind of back off. You know, I would be super motivated once I saw, because I'm just assuming if I was in school and someone was like, we're going to take the person you miss most, I'm assuming Sam will be at the bottom of the lake. So I'd be super motivated to get our asses above light, the water, <laughs> like, obviously. yeah. And I feel like in the maze, you know, not only would you have Mad-Eye Moody trying to fuck up your day, like, outside of it, you'd also be, I would be faced with fucking huge-ass spiders, a boggart, blast-ended scroots, the sphinx. Yeah, there's, like, so know, many things that can come at you in the maze, which I know just that getting frustrated Harry, being in a maze, I mean. Yeah, and I think Harry felt more confident with that just because, like, he deals with that well. And, right. But I also think that he got off really easy because freaking Barty Crouch was roaming around the outside and, like, knocking shit out of his way for him. So, honestly, yeah, I think, like you said, the mermaids were made out to be a lot more tame in the book than they were in the movie. And they did shy away whenever Harry pulled out his wand. And I'm sure they, like, had orders not to, like, fight back or anything from Dumbledore. But, yeah, I think the only really scary part for me, and I love swimming, I love the water, I'm, like, a huge water person, would be just getting it done in time and not drowning. Yeah. But, like, clearly you're not going to drown because Dumbledore's not going to let that happen. Exactly. But thank you for your responses. It's always fun to... Those. Yeah, that was a good question come. this week. It's kind of divided yeah. answer. I was, you know, it really could have gone either way. And I think just showing how close they were on all three platforms just, you know, kind of goes to show everyone has their own preferences. There are obviously people who deal with intense amounts of pressure and their fears, which is obviously who would have gone with the maze. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have survived. I would have been sending up my flare. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I'm out. Okay. You know. Red sparks. I'm done. Yeah. But anyway, so before we dive in, I just want to kind of. Um, so for this one, I had to download the audiobook because work has been crazy for me. Um, so I downloaded the audiobook so I could listen to it in my car. And so I don't have that many like quotes written down until I would like get home and then look through my book and write them down but I was reminded through all this that's a point I'm not just going off on a tangent so I I was reminded when I was listening that actually my first time being exposed to the Harry Potter series was through audiobook oh really and I I had completely I guess you know since I was so young I had like completely kind of forgotten that um I oh, that's nice first, that you have sort of like a full circle a flashback. moment. Yeah. yeah. So I had been exposed. I watched the first movie with my grandma. Um, she took all of my cousins to go see it. Um, but then I remember I was on a road trip with my dad's best friend and his wife, and they were listening to the audiobook. And I was just so enthralled Goals. with it. And my, and my dad had already read all of the books, or they weren't all out, but read all the books that were out. And so they were around the house, and I knew what they were, and my brother had read a couple of them. But I remember after that trip, that's when I asked my dad to read them with me. Wow. And so, like, just hearing, yeah, it's so so weird, right? Like, and it's like, like funny listening how, like, certain to things it can trigger that memory. Yeah. Right. 
So, Ruthie Gregory, thank you for introducing (laughs) me to Harry Potter. Um, I actually think it might have been the Goblet of Fire because I remember um, the person who does these, his name is escaping me, but he does voices for each of the characters and he does Dobby's voice so perfectly. It's like so entertaining. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, I've I've never actually listened to the audiobooks before. Like, people tell me I should, and I know, like, I just, I've been sleeping on the Audible subscription, but I don't know. It's probably something I need to look into for Order of the Phoenix, because I know I'm about to start having, like, 12-hour days and going nonstop, so I won't have as much time as I have had this past month to read as much, like, actually sit down and read, so... I may right. have to give it a go as well, but, but yeah, yeah, that was just really special for me to, you know, kind of have that memory yeah, jogged definitely. a little bit and um, kind of be transported back to that little kid in the backseat of the car who I, I just, I can remember me sitting there and just being like, I need more of this. And clearly I got more of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we ended, you know, with... Rita Skeeter kind of exposing Hagrid's mother of being a giantess and um, Cedric telling Harry to mull things over with a bath mm-hmm. in his egg. So Harry does this. That's what Harry and, does. Yeah. So Harry finally listens. He Well, he puts it off as long as he can before he's like, okay, look, I'm, you know, obviously going to fuck up if I don't do this. So I'm just going to go try right. it. So he goes to the prefect bathroom, which sounds like an absolute dream. Mm-hmm. Lots of bubbles. Yes. Absolute dream. But Myrtle obviously shows up, as she does, and she kind of actually helps him out. Like, she tells him when he's right. Mm-hmm. Which is good, so he doesn't have to, like, keep going over and over again. But then, you know, we have Harry, after he figures it out, um, he's like, oh shit, I'm gonna have to be underwater for an hour. Like, how am I gonna make this work? As you know, everyone should be like. And then yeah. he sees Barty Crouch. Yeah, that was my on first note, map. Is that he, when he's leaving and he's got his invisibility cloak put back on, he looks down at the map and um, he's like checking for Filch and Mrs. Norris to make sure that they're not anywhere nearby or Peeves. And then all of a sudden, in Snape's office, he sees the dot that says Bartimus Crouch, and he's like, hold on a second. Um, he's supposed to be too ill to go to work, or, I mean, he was too ill to even come to the old ball. He hasn't been around or been seen or anything, so why is he at Hogwarts at 1 a.m.? So, of course, Harry being Harry goes to investigate, mm-hmm. and um, he gets stuck on the stairs. In Hogwarts, there's, like, a trick step where your like, leg will fall into it. And in his like haste to investigate, he uh, he fell into it and gets stuck. And then um, Snape almost finds him and Filch and Mrs. Norris. But luckily for Harry, Mad-Eye Moody there. slash Crouch comes and kind of saves his neck. And then Moody is very interested in the map obviously um once that harry said that crouch was on there and he says crouch that's very very interesting um and then he takes the map he has to borrow it actually so you know yeah and of course number one he's interested in it because he would be super exposed if the map like was telling the truth about his true identity and like wasn't fooled by polyjuice potion right right And it's also a really useful tool for him, which we Mm -hmm. see, like, he uses it later on. Yeah. But then Harry gets probably the biggest compliment um, ever because he's assuming that Mad-Eye Moody is truly Mad-Eye Moody and is one of the most famous Aurors ever. Mm -hmm. And he tells him, you should consider becoming an Auror. And Harry's, like, on cloud nine at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes back. To the common room, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And he starts telling Ron and Hermione about everything. And, you know, it is pointed out on page 417 that because Harry is convinced again now that Snape is out to get him. Right. Once again. He's the and one who has put his name in the Goblet of Fire. Right. 
So Hermione points out, We thought Snape was trying to kill Harry before, and it turned out he was saving Harry's life. Remember? Mm-hmm. And I think this is a bit of foreshadowing, especially, you know, when we get to the end and it is revealed what we were all assuming all along anyway about Snape. Um, and at this point, we obviously don't know he's a double agent, right? So. Right. I think it's important that she's reinforcing these little things throughout because uh, Hermione is now saying reason and being like, no, the Dumbledore trusts Snape. It's not Snape. Right. Like, over and over again. That's what she'll start saying. So, But they're also speculating if um, Moody was there to keep an eye on Carker off as well. Mm-hmm. But then later Harry sends a letter to Sirius, kind of updating him on everything, and Sirius wants to know when the next Hogsmeade visit is going to be, and then Harry tells him, and um, then Harry tries to figure out how on earth he's going to survive for an hour underwater. Like, he is just really (laughs) poring over books in the library, like, spending all night there, trying to get any help that he can, but... Then Ron and Hermione have been summoned away while they were helping him look for any sort of way to survive underwater by Professor McGonagall, and they're gone for the rest of the night, and Harry falls asleep in the library, and then he's waken, waken, woken? <laughs> then he's woken he's awoken. up. He yeah. is awakened. <laughs> Ten minutes before... The bitch gets up, man. The second task by Dobby, who is like, Harry Potter, like, you're gonna be late. The second task is starting. And then gives him gillyweed. And And he says some of my most favorite lines. Dobby, sir. Dobby knows, sir. Harry Potter has to go into the lake and find his wheezy. (laughs) Find my what? And take his wheezy back from the people. What's a wheezy? You're you're wheezy. You're wheezy, sir. You're wheezy. Wheezy who is giving Dobby his jumper. Oh, that old wheezy. So nice to Dobby. I love Dobby and wheezy. So Harry's just like, well, fuck, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. I don't have an alternative. I didn't find anything. So he, like, jets off to the lake, pops the gillyweed in, and basically just has to get into the water as soon as he gets to the lake with the other champions. And he feels stupid because, like, he's just sitting there waiting and um, nothing is happening. But then all of a sudden he grows gills and finds out that he can swim really well. So he's, like, swimming around the lake and he's got to fight off, like, Grindelows. And then Moaning Myrtle makes another appearance and he's like, I'd go that way if I were you. And... (laughs) So he swims deeper and deeper into the lake where he finds the, like, mer village with all the mer people. Then he sees Ron, Hermione, Cho, and a younger girl who he knew had to be Fleur's sister all, like, apparently asleep and tied together. And then Harry, like, tries to free Ron and he has to use a rock to do it. And mm-hmm. he, like, I think tries to take more. He tries to take Hermione, and the head merman is just like, no, you can only take one. So Harry essentially wastes a lot of time down there because he did get there first, and he freed Ron, but he was waiting to make sure that everybody else got and got every other champion came and got their wheezy as well. So, and right, like, his desire to save everyone is so pure. He doesn't have to do that. And his in his mind, if he didn't save them, they would die. I mean, obviously, if you're looking at it from the outside, Dumbledore would have never let that happen. Right, but when you're in the moment, you're not thinking Molly that. Weasley. Right. Yeah, exactly. And Harry's like, how are these people coming down and saving one person and leaving the others just to die? You know? And he tries... And in this moment, he has to also choose in his head, because obviously Ron is down there for him, right? But he has to choose between Ron and Hermione, and he can't. It's not until Crumb comes and saves her, and at first he thinks that she's being attacked. I think he's, like, deciding, how am I going to defeat all these people and take them both? Because, like, I'm not leaving here without them both. Like, that was such a hard decision for him. And... I just think it goes back to show that he really just is a true hero. And when the time comes, he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure everyone gets out of there. Yeah. At any, And that's, that, 
you know, remains true for pretty much the rest of the I mean, yeah, we see that entire. over and over again. Right. But he ends up, you know, saying fuck it and threatens the more people and because Cedric gets Cho, Hermione is rescued by Crumb, and Harry, he, like I said, he says, fuck it, and he takes the two left and goes up. Yeah, he has to kind of fend off the people with his wand. Right. And right. he is the last one to arrive, and he's outside the time limit, and he feels stupid that he, like, spent idle time down there waiting, but then the, like, mermaid, the head mermaid swims to the surface and, like, tells Dumbledore what happened down there. And because clearly Dumbledore speaks Murrish, which I thought was awesome. Of course he does. Of course he does. <laughs> and then um, it turns out that Harry's stroke of uh, morality or whatever, what moral fiber is what mm-hmm. um, got him second place in the second task. Yeah. Um, and while they're there around the lake waiting for the deliberation, Hermione has a beetle picked out of her hair mm-hmm. by Victor Crumb when they're having a touching little moment together. Um, I also pointed out that Floor, when they actually give her points, she says, I deserve zero. She's humble. And I, you mm-hmm. know, I think it's easy for us to assume with Floor being who she is, looking like she is, being obviously as brave as she is, being a champion. She really is super humble and, you know, deserves more recognition, I think, than she gets. Yeah. Uh, and then that chapter, I thought, closed beautifully. It closed with this line. He was going to buy Dobby a pair of socks for every day of the year. Yeah. Because Harry was just so thankful to Dobby for saving his ass yet again. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, this whole chapter, Harry really only got through it because other people helped him out, including Mad-Eyed Moody. It's honestly such a shame that in the book, or in the movie, sorry, they don't give Dobby this recognition. I mean, I understand they have to give Neville his moment, but... That really comes in the next book, is when Neville starts to get his moments. So, I don't know. I I love Dobby giving him the gillyweed. Yeah, honestly, I think that was just a CGI decision on the movie maker's part, because they didn't want to spend the extra cash on Dobby. But Definitely a letdown, though. They kind of stole his moment. Um, but then, moving on, in the next chapter, Ron gets to share Harry's limelight a little bit. He exaggerates the story. So that's good. He gets his own little moment of glory, which, right. you know, who doesn't love to see? There is a article written by Rita Skeeter about Hermione, basically insinuating that she's leading Harry and Crumb along. Um, and then Ron calls her a scarlet woman, which <laughs> is really funny to me. <laughs> I don't know. And then um, at the next Hogsmeade visit, they meet up with Sirius Black. Yeah, and they bring him lots of food because he's been, like, surviving off rats, and they give him the update, and they're kind of talking about Barty Crouch and Winky and, like, who could have conjured the dark mark at the Quidditch World Cup, and Hermione's upset about how Crouch treats Winky, and Ron, you know, is kind of disputing with her but i love the quote that sirius gives um on page 456 when he says she's got the measure of crouch better than you have ron if you want to know what a man's like take a good look at how he treats his inferiors not his equals yeah i feel like he definitely dishes out great advice but he doesn't always take it like when you swallowing it himself right when you look at his own life some of the advice he gives harry Or, you know, the trio in general. I mean, when you take a look at his life and how he treats Creature and how he treats, you know, Snape. Not saying Snape's his inferior, but he definitely saw him as his inferior, right? So, you know, just, I love Sirius. That's one of my favorite quotes. But you do got to kind of look at the entire picture of his character. Um, But anyway, he gives us a little bit of backstory about Snape. Mm -hmm. Um, While he was at Hogwarts, apparently he had his, like, little gang of Slytherins. Um... He also gives us a background about Bertha. So, you know, she was a bit of a gossip at school and didn't know when to keep her mouth shut, which I think is a vital piece of information because (laughs) clearly Voldemort knows some shit about the ministry now because Bertha is the gossip. So, Right. Well, yeah. And also he tortured the shit out of her. Well, that too. Not saying it's all her fault, but I am saying I think that little piece of information about her character is a good Easter egg. Yeah. So. Um, but then the next day, they 
go to the kitchens and give Dobby some new socks to thank him for the gillyweed and he's really excited but then they see Winky who's kind of sitting over by the fire and she's like drunk from butterbeer and she said that her master needs her help to protect protect his deepest secret and um the other elves are like super embarrassed by Winky Hermione ends up insulting them all yeah so basically you know I Hermione means well I understand her wanting to you know, change something that she sees being wrong, but she insults the people that she's trying to quote unquote help. So that is It's not a really good read of the room on her part. Yeah, no. She needs to learn how to read the room. I mean I feel like that's something that she needs to learn how to do in every situation of her life. Um but especially when you're telling someone that they're enslaved when they don't think they're enslaved. Right. So that's what they like. That's how they like to live. Yeah. That's what their purpose yeah. is whatever so yeah anyway then Hermione at breakfast gets some hate mail um which you know is really sad and a lot of it is basically telling her to go back from where she came from and all defending Harry's honor it's funny to see how easily the wizarding world is swayed by the garbage that Rita Skeeter publishes like one minute she's exactly making somebody out to be like the worst person ever because they're like mean to Harry when they're not and the next moment she's like completely bashing Harry and calling him a lunatic and everybody believes whatever it is they read and I feel like that's some sort of like deeper commentary on like oh <laughs> not fake news because I'm not gonna say that but like you know what I mean just like you can't believe everything that's published in the media yeah but it's definitely I think a critique on our society but I have a couple notes here first of all I think Percy is actually a Slytherin and yes <laughs> second Harry's um note that she might have bugged you when talking about oh yeah Rita yeah Skeeter I wrote that down because too. Hermione is like how is she getting these stories that moment between me and Victor was very private and but remember you know Harry comes from the muggle world so he's like oh she might have bugged you and yeah. Ron's like what like what is that so he explains it to him um and of course we are reminded that there are no electronics that can function because of all the magic inside of Hogwarts mm-hmm I think they have that a, a couple times when they say, you know, she's yeah. had you bugged or th- there's a mention of bugging a few times. So it's a nice little play on words and foreshadowing on J.K. Rowling's part because exactly. Rita Skeeter clearly is a bug. But I also loved um, in that same chapter, Hagrid has a lesson on Nifflers. Yeah. Which I know. I totally forgot that that was in there and that we had an introduction to Nifflers before Fantastic Beasts. Like, I did not remember that at all. I completely forgot about this. And as soon as, you know, he was talking about them, and I, I was like, oh, my gosh. They're so like, cute. I love them so much. <laughs> and just the fact that they were there under our nose all along. Yeah. yeah what are the odds? But anyway, then we get to Barty Crouch's mental breakdown. <laughs> yes. Um, he shows up on the Hogwarts grounds talking to Weatherby, which <laughs> is Percy. Um, because poor Percy. Um, he's, you know, heavily foreshadowing, saying that he needs to talk to Dumbledore. His son is in trouble. It's all his fault. He's really fucked up. And so Harry leaves him with Victor Crumb and runs up to Dumbledore's office, is of course stopped by Snape because Snape always thinks he's up to no good. Then Dumbledore comes down. He doesn't even question Harry and sprints across the grounds with him. And then poor Victor Crumb has been stunned. And then out of thin air, here is Mad-Eye Moody. <laughs> I mean, after rereading this and knowing what's going to happen, it's like right in front of your face. Oh, yeah. It just completely smacks you in the face how obvious it is. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, they tell him like, oh, we're looking for Mr. Crouch and Mad-Eye's like, okay, I'll go in the forest and look. And then Harry heads back up to the common room, and Ron says, probably one of my favorite lines of the entire series I had forgotten about, he'd done a runner. (laughs) (laughs) When talking about Crouch um, stunning uh, Crumb, because that's what they think happened, and then running off, (laughs) he'd done a runner. Honestly, I didn't even pick up on that. I didn't even, like cue into that so that's funny well, that, that you like noticed like that a moment i think that's like something when you're listening to an audiobook especially 
that like that stands out because you're like, wait, he did a what? <laughs> what did he just say? What did he do? Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, so then Harry, Ron, and Hermione the next day go to the Owlery to tell Sirius what happened and kind of are discussing what could have just taken place when they run into Fred and George who are arguing back and forth about blackmail. So that was really interesting. And then none of them kind of talk about why they're actually up there. And then Harry, Ron, and Hermione go to visit Professor Moody, who says that Crouch did not show up on the map. Very odd indeed, he says. And um, did not seem in the sort of state where he could have escaped the premises quickly. So he tells Harry to be careful, and then um, later on, Harry gets a letter from Sirius, who also is telling him to be careful, because obviously someone is really dangerous at Hogwarts and maybe, you know, targeting Harry. Then a few days later, they go to divination class, and Harry, like he does, dozes off because of the heat and the droning noises and everything, and he decides to open a window and a little insect is (laughs) sitting on the windowsill but he wonder who that could be hmm, it's not a bug of some sort or a beetle with like eye glasses glass shaped eyes anyways um then he has a dream and he's flying on an owl and into a house where voldemort is laying into Wormtail for having made a mistake and saying that he is dead and for telling someone named he is dead and for telling that soon he would have Harry Potter dead and ready to be fed to his snake Nagini. Then Voldemort uh, uses the Cruciatus curse on Wormtail and then Harry wakes up screaming and clutching a scar and everyone in the room is just like what the fuck? What the fuck? And honestly like I didn't fall asleep in class that often in college, but whenever I did, that was my biggest fear. (laughs) Was to, like, do something fucking weird. For me, it would just be, like, falling, my head, like, falling onto the desk and, like, not only hurting, but, like, everybody looking up at me and looking like a huge I mean, I only fell asleep, like, maybe twice, because, like, history of architecture classes, it can get pretty dull. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But anyway, then Harry, of course... It's like, I need to go talk to Dumbledore. So he runs to his office, and he is literally guessing every single candy as Dumbledore's password. <laughs> which, But it pays it, off. I'm sorry, but if you don't think that explains just so much about Dumbledore's personality, that Harry's like, well, it has to be candy. <laughs> like, yeah. I love it. I love it. What did it actually end up being? What was the candy? The cockroaches. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cockroach clusters i think gross that just mm, mm -mm. that does not sound appetizing to me but yeah then he goes into dumbledore's office where fudge and moody are already there but like moody says that they're not alone harry's outside the door and um dumbledore kind of walks fudge back out and harry is left to wait in dumbledore's office and he like looks at fox and then he sees that there is a cupboard that's kind of open with a basin in it that has like silvery swirling liquid inside of it and harry like looks at it closer and closer and pokes it with his wand because he's like i probably shouldn't touch it if i know anything about (laughs) magic probably should dip my wand in there first and then finally he's like looking so close because he like kind of sees something is happening under the surface there's like a scene playing out his nose touches it and he ends up falling in and landing inside of a courtroom where he's kind of has like a flashback to when he traveled into tom riddle's diary as like an unseen observer and like no one can see him and is acknowledging him he's just watching things play out and he's watching as Karkaroff is strapped into a chair and um, is basically like bargaining for his free freedom and questioned by Mr. Crouch. So Karkaroff's like giving off names of death eaters, including Snape, but then Dumbledore stands up and uh, vouches for Snape like he always does. Then Ludo Bagman is put in the yeah, chair. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I did too. And he's basically saying... 
I am a fucking idiot. I didn't realize that I was working for Voldemort supporters. I'm just a huge, like, gossip. So I'm just a bro. The, I'm just really dumb. Yeah. So everybody, like, in the in the court, I guess, votes to free him because they love him, because he's, like, a Quidditch star, and he's just right. got, like, that personality of, like, a likable bro, I guess. It's not really my bag, but other people like him. And yeah. so that's just a lot of things that are revealed to Harry. It's a lot of stuff, like, up in your face. And, and then and then it's Mr. Bellatrix Crouch's and Crouch say. come out. Yeah. And Bellatrix is sitting there, they said, a completely calm, which she's an evil queen. She knows like, what's waiting, and she, she, you know, come what may, she's going to face it for her. She's not fucking afraid. For her Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Her dark lord. Yeah, but then Harry, like, watches Mr. Crouch basically sentence his own son to Azkaban and how hard that that must have been because Mr. Crouch's wife was, like, weeping in the audience. And we also, like, know from that interaction that Barty Crouch Jr. and the Lestranges were the ones who performed the Cruciatus curse on the Longbottoms. Right. But then Dumbledore pulls Harry out. Just with this whole scene, and especially, you know, after Harry comes out of the Pensieve and Dumbledore's explaining what happened to the Longbottoms, it's just, it's impossible to not feel for Neville. And I'm really glad that in the next book we get to then meet his parents, too. Yeah, I am too. And I'm glad that Harry has this sort of reaction to it that he does and, like, that yeah. he doesn't tell. He's like, people feel sorry for me? Right. Like, no. And I'm they glad should that not feel sorry for he me. He had enough respect to, like, listen to Dumbledore and not tell anybody else about it because, yeah. you know, it, it's hard for Neville. If Neville hasn't told people about it, like, clearly he doesn't really want to talk about it. And But I love that Harry has, like, another level of respect for Neville after finding that out and, like, empathy right. towards him. But anyways, Harry tells Dumbledore about his dream and Dumbledore says that he thinks that there's a possibility that it's not just a dream, that it's actually happening and that Voldemort is close by and And that's no ordinary scar. He's gaining power. Yeah, it's not an ordinary scar. And then Harry asks whether Bagman or Snape had basically done anything dark since then and Dumbledore says that neither of them have and that's the end of that conversation good luck on your next task yeah so then we kind of you know he debriefs the gang his two BFFs on everything that happened with the exception of Neville as we mentioned before he has too much respect for Neville he's not going to tell anyone because it's not it's not his place to tell anyone you know so then the third task is starting. The families all come to watch. And, of course, the Weasleys come to watch Harry. Well, he wasn't expecting it. Um, so it made it even more magical because the champions were all told to gather around and that their families were going to be there. And, you know, of course, Harry's like, well, I'm fucked. No one's going to come. And then they come. And it's a really sweet moment. And then also I picked up that Floor was actually eyeing Bill over Mrs. Weasley's yeah. shoulder. Yeah, I saw that too. Um so I was actually, funny story, I was listening to the audiobook and Karn was in the room and he was like, did you hear that? And I was like, what? He said, the part about Floor and Bill. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, that's foreshadowing. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> it is. Um, so that was fun. Yeah. And this might be a hot take, um, but when we're seeing all of this, we also have an interaction with Amos Diggory. And I'm just like... Mm-hmm. Honestly, the movie makes him out to be a lot better because he's kind of a prick in the books. He's kind of an asshole. Like, you know, you have to keep in mind, yes, he's super proud of his son, as he should be. But he takes it to another level to where he's literally, like, belittling a 14-year-old kid. Like, you need to calm down. Yeah. And even, you know, Cedric is so embarrassed and he's like, just ignore him. I'm so sorry. Just ignore him. Like, your son should not have to apologize on your behalf. Yeah. And I mean, (laughs) Molly has to stick up for Harry. And she's like, really, Amos? Like, I would have thought you know that Rita Skeeter goes out of her way to cause trouble with you working at the Well, and then Harry, though, had to put her in her place because she's being a bitch to Hermione. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, okay. Yeah. So it's like, it's a hot mess. 
at that point. Um, I think it just goes to show that sometimes, especially in this story, the kids and the young adults are more level-headed than the parents. And that's something that J.K. Rowling brings up multiple times. Right. But I digress. So then we go into the maze, and it is so terrifying and fantastic. And he faces a boggart, and he faces a huge-ass spider, and Crumb, who's bewitched, she has to save Cedric's ass. And I love the interaction um, between Cedric and Harry whenever Harry really wants to win at this point, but then he sees Cedric kind of come out from a different hole in the maze, and he's running towards the cup. But then Harry saw something immense over a hedge to his left, moving quickly along a path that intersected with his own and it was moving so fast that Cedric was about to run into it and Cedric didn't see it all he was looking at was the cup and then Harry like tried to yell at him and be like Cedric on your left and then Cedric looked around just in time to hurl himself past the thing and avoid colliding with it but in his haste he tripped and Harry saw Cedric's wand fly out of his hand and a gigantic spider came into the path and began to like attack cedric so harry's like no thank you harry's like trying to stun it and they're both trying to stun it and harry hurts his leg even more and then finally them together stun it at the same time um on its like underbelly (laughs) and um then harry is just like well they're both checking on each other and making sure they're okay and harry can't walk on his leg he's hurt it so bad from the interaction with the spider and Harry's just like, take it then. Go on, take it. You're there. But Cedric didn't move. He merely stood there looking at Harry. Then he turned to stare at the cup. Harry saw the longing expression on his face in its golden light. Cedric looked around at Harry again, who was now holding onto a hedge to support himself. Cedric took a deep breath. You take it. You should win. That's twice you've saved my neck in here. So clearly we see how much Cedric values fair play. And right you know, honesty and hardworking. And Harry's like, that's not how it works. Like, you're there first. And he's getting angry at this point, and he's in pain, and he just wants it to be done. He's like, just take it. The one who reaches the cup first gets the points. That's you. I'm telling you, I'm not going to win any races on this leg. And Cedric's just like, no. (laughs) Harry's like, stop (laughs) being noble. Take it, and we can get the fuck out of here. Obviously, he doesn't say fuck. But, he did in his mind, okay? Yeah, he's, you know, sassy he's Harry slash Sharice. Come on, they were, Cedric, stop being so noble. Yeah, Sharice uh, came right? out. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sharice was like, "Take the fucking cup, I want to go home." And they keep <laughs> going back and forth. He's like, "You helped me out, but you helped me out, and like you should have got it's more like, points on that first. task." And no, you. I shouldn't have been no, so stupid, <laughs> and just like all of this stuff until finally, Harry's like, "Both of us." And Cedric's like, what? He's like, we'll take it at the same time. It's still a Hogwarts victory. We'll tie for it. And Cedric says, you're on. And I'm just like, oh, god damn it, baby. You shouldn't have said that. (laughs) So then, obviously, the cup is a port key. Yes. So this chapter, I think, actually, these next two chapters, this is the turning point of the whole series. I mean, we could literally dedicate an entire episode just to these few chapters Mm -hmm. because we find out so much that happens, but also there's a huge shift that happens. Um, You know, so we're just going to do the abridged version (laughs) just for sake of time so we don't have an eight-hour podcast. Um, But anyway, basically Voldemort is coming back. They get there after they realize it's a port key. Harry doesn't realize where they are at first it takes them a bit longer than it does in the movie obviously um for time's sake there but pretty much immediately Voldemort says kill the spare and then Cedric is killed and then there's an awful thud and Harry Harry's in so much pain that like he can't even open his eyes because his scar is hurting so bad but yeah. once he and does his open ankle. his eyes yeah he knows that he's gonna see Cedric lying there dead what she does and his like cold gray eyes staring up a little bit like shocked yeah and i'm just so then fuck me up harry (laughs) harry is tied up um and wormtail throws baby voldemort into this cauldron and i 
you know, does his little thing, bone of the father, sacrifice of Wormtail's part, and then the blood of Harry. And Voldemort is back. Bada bing, bada boom. He comes back. He's back, bitches. He says, where's my robe? (laughs) And, you know, (laughs) honestly, if we didn't think that he was a diva before, his first words after being reborn was, robe me. Yeah. He's, like, very worried about having his proper robes before he just took his full body form again. I have a question, though, about the pause on this. So, did Voldemort look so, like, skeletal and, like, slit for eyes and, like, red red eyes and everything and, like, barely a nose, whatever, when he, like, when he comes back and that's how he's described to look... Is that what he, we are supposed to perceive him to have looked like 13 years ago? Like, after all the evil that he did, like, all of his, like, mm. handsome good looks went away, and he kind See, of I think turned after into he that? started, like, splitting his soul, I think that's when he started to look less and less human. I do, at least from what I have kind of gathered, he still did look relatively human when he died the first time, yeah, but definitely is it, like, is that confirmed, not as good looking. Because I... I don't, I don't think it... I don't I don't know. remember I don't ever, like, so. really thinking about it before, one, or remembering any commentary on his physical appearance besides, like, when he went to Dumbledore to ask for the Defense Against the Dark Arts job, which... At that point, he had made horcruxes, but I don't really remember there being any, like, mention of him looking as terrifying as he does now. I mean, I don't think he did, because I think right now he was surviving on poison, right? So, I think before he died, he probably definitely wasn't as handsome as he once was. um, Well, none of us will be. (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, (laughs) true. But who can be that handsome one that you've split your soul eight times? You know, like yeah, I just didn't know if that was something that we were to assume or just something that like you don't think about. But anyways, I mean, if he came back and looked like a fucking snack, he (laughs) definitely wouldn't be as frightening. So I think her choice to make him come back and look basically like a walking snake, like a corpse, yeah, yeah. I mean, can you imagine how Bellatrix would be if he did look like a fucking snack? That would I mean, just be... She's already a bit much. Yeah. Like, it would just be, like, over the top Oof. if he came back just looking like a snack like he was looking like <laughs> in the Chamber of Secrets. Um, but we digress. Yeah. There's your hot take of the episode. Um, so, our theories... He calls the Death Eaters back, and our theories are pretty much confirmed about the Malfoys, Crab and Goyle. Yeah, everything that they um, pretty much knew. So, Voldemort starts shaming all the Death Eaters who basically came back but shaming them for basically being in hiding and acting like they weren't a part of his posse before when it all went down. He says, I see you all whole and healthy with your powers intact, such prompt appearances, and I ask myself, why did this band of wizards never come to the aid of their master to whom they swore eternal loyalty? No one spoke. No one moved except Wormtail, who was upon the ground still sobbing over his bleeding arm. And I answer myself, whispered Voldemort. They must have believed me broken. They thought I was gone. They slipped back in among my men- enemies, and they pleaded innocence and ignorance and bewitchment. And then I ask myself, but how could they have believed I would not rise again? They who know the steps I took long ago to guard myself against mortal death... They who had seen proofs of the immensity of my power in the times when I was mightier than any wizard living. And I feel like that is a huge foreshadowing nod on Voldemort's part to his horcruxes and right. to all of the Death Eaters basically knowing he has horcruxes or some form of magic that magical step he's taken towards immortality. We kind of addressed this in the Chamber of Secrets, um, you know, asking, well, did he know that this was a Horcrux? And, like, clearly they knew something was up. Yeah. You know? So I think this just kind of confirms that. Yeah, he just confirms it again. Right. Uh, So then, you know, he tells Harry to duel him. After he 
tortures him a little bit. After he tortures him a little bit, true Voldemort Ooh, yeah, style. Yeah, he uses uh, the Cruciatus curse, and then he uses the Imperius curse on him, and Harry fights that shit off. Harry breaks it. Yeah. But, I mean, Charisse comes out again. It's like, absolutely not. Um, But then he kind of hides, and then he's like, all right, I'm just going to have to face him and this is what my whole life is right so i'm just gonna have to face him so he does and you know they have their first locking of their wands yes the priori and contentum happens yes and he gets to see cedric and cedric tells him to take his body back to his family he gets to see his parents which every time he sees his parents he just gets so emotional which Who obviously wouldn't? it's a real shock um, to see them just coming out of a wand Right, for sure. Um, so then there's a huge difference that I'll highlight next episode that really bothers me. Um, but, you know, then he eventually lets go and he takes Cedric's body back. Yeah, and his dad tells him exactly what to do and how to escape. And this part, when he gets back to Hogwarts and he's literally clutching Cedric's body, I just... I had to stop at this point. I was reading physically again, and I was in tears, and I had to stop. Yeah, I think this is when I kind of started crying, too. Mm-hmm. Picturing a 14-year-old kid who just watched this guy who he obviously idolizes and respects immensely be just slaughtered. He had to see his parents. He had to see Voldemort come back. He knows that shit's about to get real. His whole life has been turned upside down once again. Yeah. He realizes that now there's a bunch of people besides Voldemort, his Death Eaters, are going to be out to get him even more than they already were. It's a big pill to swallow. Yeah, it's a lot. He is just literally clutching. Yeah, he won't let go. He lets go of the cup. He won't let go of Cedric. And, you know, I think he's not only not wanting to let go because everything has changed or that Cedric had died, sorry, but he's not wanting to let go because Cedric is the only link between when everything was, you know, typical Harry Potter world, and now it's going to be super dark. And now Voldemort's back and everything has changed. Right, and it's just, I mean, you know, realizing that, and especially reading back as an adult, and especially as an adult who has read this so many times, it's just, it's a super emotional scene, and I really like that, Dumbledore wanted him to stay because I, I agree I think that's you know extremely important for him to stay and to face that um but obviously that's not what ends up happening well I think that was also like a test though right like Dumbledore wanted to yeah. see he was testing his theory of whether that was actually Mad-Eye Moody or not I mean definitely was a test but I think it says a lot about Dumbledore where he's not gonna let Harry just hide behind what just happened he's gonna make him face it I mean, later he makes him tell him exactly what happened, even though Sirius is like, uh, maybe tomorrow. He's like, no, he needs to face it now. But anyway, um, Mad-Eye Moody takes him up to his office and is asking him all about it and is being really creepy. And, you know, so Harry tells him what happens and then Mad-Eye confesses that he was the one who put his name in the goblet. He was the one who has helped him out throughout each of the tasks and when Harry's like, well, Cedric told me about the egg. He's like, well, who do you think told him? Like, definitely made it, definitely made him win because that's how he wanted it to be. And then he gets to the point where he's like, Voldemort is going to honor me. It's going to be the Dark Lord and I. So in my head, I start singing the Wizard and I from Wicked. Because um, <laughs> that's where I went with that. Oh, my God. But then he's like, well, if I kill you, then imagine how he'll honor me. And then that's when Dumbledore comes storming in and stupefies him with McGonagall mm-hmm. and Snape. And honestly, like, this whole thing, when he gets the truth serum and everything, and is telling Dumbledore everything that happened, and Barty Crouch shows up, and they're like, Barty Crouch! <laughs> this is honestly one of the best plot twists in all of literature. Yeah, it really is. And I think, like, the first time you read it not knowing, like, you're just like, wow. Like, this whole explanation, you're just like, holy shit, that is so much. And it was, like, such Mm -hmm. a huge secret for Barty Crouch to keep about his son for so long. And, like, it all makes sense now. And, like, the wool has been pulled off from over our eyes. And, yeah, it's really good. Um, and, And you do really see, like, what a mastermind 
plot this was by Voldemort and Barty Crouch Jr. and like how much detail went into pulling it off. Yeah, it's incredible. But then Dumbledore kind of ropes up Barty Crouch and asks McGonagall to stand guard while he takes Harry up to the hospital wing. Well, first he goes to his office so Harry can see Sirius and makes Harry kind of tell exactly what happened in the graveyard with Voldemort. And Harry doesn't really want to talk about it, but he feels better after he does just to get it all out in the open and say what happened. And Dumbledore keeps telling him again and again, like how brave he was and how like grown wizards couldn't even amount to how brave he was. And Sirius is there um, because he was sitting watching the third task from Hagrid's hut. And uh, it's just a, it's just a very emotional time for everybody. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I think when Harry is telling what happened and Sirius is grabbing his shoulder and then when Harry mentions he saw his parents, he tightens it. Yeah. And I, I think not only is he trying to stabilize Harry in that moment, but he's also trying to stabilize himself. Yeah. Like when he hears that Harry saw James, he's just like, God. Yeah. And he's reminded of what happened last time. And, you know, it could easily happen again, which it does. Right. And so anyway, then they all three go down to the hospital wing so that Harry can take some sleeping draft and get some That sleep. shit sounds awesome. I know. I want some. Um, but then Harry has his emotional support dog. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> Madame Hoffrey's like, um, what? And Dumbledore's like, it's okay. That's his emotional I assure you, dog. he's very well trained. <laughs> <laughs> so Sirius Black is actually the most emotional support animal. <laughs> you know, we find out that Cornelius Fudge is a huge uh, idiot. An idiot. And perform had the dementors perform the kiss on Barty Crouch Jr. So that now Barty Crouch cannot testify. And so this is when shit really goes down between Dumbledore and Fudge. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore's like, all right, well you've left me no choice. Clearly we're gonna be on opposite sides because he won't believe Harry. He won't believe that Voldemort's back. He's calling Cedric's death a tragic accident, but not addressing the fact of how it actually happened. That he was murdered. He's basically putting his head in the sand. Yeah. Well, he's so afraid to lose his, like, reputation, which, like, clearly he thinks is great, but it's not of being, like, a really good minister of magic. And he doesn't want to, like, disrupt the peace that has been built up over the last 13 years. But as Mm -hmm. Dumbledore said, like, if he would have taken action now and, like, helped stop this uprising. He would have gone down as a great minister of magic. Instead, he's just going to be a fucking idiot and end up dying for it. But, um, yeah, I I was getting so heated in this entire chapter because it's just the start of what's to come in the fifth when no one, like, believes Harry and it's so frustrating. And uh, then I love how we also see how, like, Dumbledore is exuding power that Harry yeah, hadn't like really a, seen before. This whole chapter is kind of like a call to arms, if you will. Yeah. Well, Dumbledore is like, I'm taking all this shit into my own hands if you're not going to. Yeah. Like, he's standing up to Fudge, and then once Fudge leaves, he looks at Molly, and he's like, are you and Arthur ready? Yeah. I hope and you bitches like, are ready. Saddle Of up. course. And then he's like, all right, come on, Sirius. So Sirius, um, you know, transforms back into his human form. And Snape is pissed. And then Dumbledore is like, I trust both of you. You need to trust each other. Shake hands. Yeah. I'll settle for just, like, not being completely hostile. (laughs) He's the HBIC. And, you know, if anyone can repair a friendship or a relationship, it's going to be Dumbledore. So they shake hands and it's awkward. But they realize they're on each other's sides now. And Dumbledore tells Snape he basically has to go back into Voldemort's service. Without saying that, that's what we know is happening. And you can tell Snape is just, like, great. (laughs) Yeah, lovely. Great. Thanks a lot. Um, That's going to be a party. But then we get, you know, that Harry gets a night's sleep, and he feels a little bit better because who doesn't after a good night's sleep. And then 
the end of the year festivities are happening except for you know they're honoring they're cedric really with the black banners <laughs> yeah. yeah they're not festivities but you know they still have one last feast with everyone and dumbledore just addresses what happens which we addressed in our cedric diggory profile yeah and harry tries to give his winnings first to cedric's parents and they say no they and they it's like it's not yeah. your fault and he died happy basically yeah but um dumbledore basically says he dresses everyone and says you know now more than ever if you ever need a place this is your place and you're more than welcome to be here and we will accept you with open arms and yeah yeah so then harry you know we're kind of closed out with Harry not wanting to go back to the Dursleys, but he has to from Dumbledore's orders, but that the Weasleys will pick him up later in the summer. Yeah. I did see, though, on um, page 629, it's the last chapter, and they're all saying goodbye, and, like, Harry and Ron say bye to Fleur, and she's like, I hope I'll see you again, and I want to come back here and get a job and practice my English and blah, blah, blah. We will see each other again, I hope. And then... Hermione says bye to Crumb and everything. <laughs> and Ron asks Crumb for his autograph finally. And <laughs> it says that Hermione turns away, smiling at the horseless carriages, which clearly Harry is also seeing these horseless carriages. But at this point, should he not be able to see a Thestral? I think he probably should be. I think just right now, it's not relevant. And I think... Right now, he's probably too distracted about everything that just went down. And he might just not notice them. I don't I don't. Or know. we're just not supposed to think about it yet. <laughs> or, yeah, or maybe it's just a uh, whoops. Yeah. That could very well be. Um, but yeah, so then Harry gives his winnings to the Weasley twins because he says everyone's going to need to laugh. Which he could not be more right about. He's super depressing, but super accurate. Yeah. Um, and we find out that Rita Skeeter was a beetle. Yeah. Hermione's so, so happy. Hermione's a savage. She was holding it in for so she, long. She has her in a... In a fucking jar. In a fucking this jar. This fat beetle in a her. jar. It's hilarious. And then Draco and Crap and Coyle bust in and they're like, oh, so what? See, you found that out. Whatever. Still sucks to be you, Potter. I told you. You should have picked my side. Blah, blah, blah. Instead of Cedric, look what happened to Cedric. And then they all just, like, jinxed him at the same time. You really think that Harry would have... I mean, if he would have, in the beginning, been friends with Malfoy. It's not like Voldemort would have been like, Oh, you're friends with Malfoy. It's okay. You can live. Like, Right. No. Yeah. No. It's not like Voldemort's like, Oh, I don't have to kill you now. But I love how five people all jinxed Crap and Goyle at the same time because Fred and George yeah. were out there and they became like deformed from all of these different stuns that hit them. And it was just like, sucks <laughs> to suck. But yeah, that was uh, that was foolish on Malfoy's part to think that even if Harry was Slytherin that things would be any different. Voldemort would still want him dead. Exactly. But... That pretty much wraps up the Goblet of Fire. Um, we are more than halfway through the series now, which is insane. Um, we'll probably be splitting the next few books into more than three parts, just because they are so beefy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thank you for tuning in. As always, you can find us on social media at HP Half Drunk on Instagram and Twitter, and Harry Potter and the Half Drunk Podcast on Facebook. And we will be doing a giveaway pretty soon, so that will be announced. I know we said this past week, but it actually be this week. Uh, we just needed to choose what merch we were going to give away. So, yeah. Well, have a good week. Cheers. Mischief managed. Mischief managed.